good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut any cut Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. Hey, we discuss local, national, Native news and events, and as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. You are right, Dega. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Historical Society Press. Right on. Hey, where are we? I always like asking you questions <laughs> like, uh, what time of month is this and where are we? Where are we right now? Well, today we are here live at All My Relations Arts Gallery, uh, 1414 East Franklin Avenue here in Minneapolis along the American Indian Cultural Corridor. So you set all the equipment up here and now you're like hosting the show. You're doing everything now. <laughs> Next, you'll be running the store here because there'll be books oh. uh, for sale. And, and why are we here? Well, we're here for the uh, book reading and the book release of uh, Kathy Coates' new published uh, book, the, uh, to, Ban- to Banish Forever, A Secret Society, The Ho-Chunk and Ethnic Cleansing in Minnesota. Yeah, and we're excited. We have her here, too, and I think it was fun to, to get this going and uh, live here and tell everyone to come on out and, uh, and check out the reading. Uh, and we have Kathy again. We made Kathy come on again. <laughs> we did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she is here live in the flesh today. How's it going, Kathy? Good. How are you? Here, get that mic close to you. You, you can even hold it if you want like this, like a rock star, if you're singing karaoke. Let's oh, see how that works. Good idea. All right. Sounds good. Is that oh, better? Oh, that's much better. Sounds Jeez. Great. <laughs> All right. Hey, so we didn't need those uh, mic stands that I got, Haley. I guess not. <laughs> Sometimes you think you need it, and then <laughs> maybe less is better. But. Oh, no. Le- uh, well, more is better when it comes to live shoots. But, uh, you know, Kathy, we're really excited. We already we already have a, a, a citizen of Ho-Chunk here with us today, and uh, an elder, and she's excited to be here. And, oh, she's waving and shaking her hand. You guys see Rosetta in the back. I won't use her, your last name so people won't sue you, Rosetta Hunt. Oh. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> good to see you. And we got uh, chairs up here, and we're ready to rock and roll. Amy's going to be coming off the airplane soon. Are you excited? You don't look nervous. You sound uh, sound pretty good. Oh, I was probably nervous until I was on TV last weekend, and I've been on this show a couple times now, and oh, looks like Amy's coming in right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's a good play-by-play uh, on that, and we'll get here probably after the next commercial, but hey, we're really excited to have you on, and, and we uh, are excited for people to come here and i think there's going to be a lot more people than chairs so get here early there'll be food at 5 30 and uh we're going to be going uh haley we're going to be going uh not live at 5 30 we're going to have our president of ho-chunk nation yeah who uh used to do a lot of spots for us of history of ho-chunk and native roots radio and you picked one out I did, yeah. So John Greendeer is going to be joining us for segment three today. He just doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. <laughs> this is an encore segment from yes. John, uh, and we appreciate it. John talks a lot about Ho-Chunk uh, history in this segment and then also speaks uh, quite a bit of Ho-Chunk, which yeah. I always love to hear. Definitely. So, 
Yeah. And uh, with my other job, as you guys know, I don't really talk about my other job, but it's always always good to hear our, our president open up uh, our uh, legislative meeting with a, a good prayer and uh, with the Ho-Chunk language. And uh, um, so are you are you excited? Yeah, I'm real excited. <laughs> the book came out yesterday. I'm ready yeah. to make some sales. And yeah, there do you a go. Reading and yeah. get it out in more people's hands. Exactly, mm-hmm. and I'm excited. Uh, Rosetta, you- give me a thumbs up. Are you excited? I'm yep. Excited. You don't have. Well, you're gonna have to grab that mic if you want to say anything, Rosetta. Oh, she doesn't want to say anything. <laughs> but we lo- should introduce our uh, Ho Chunk name since it's a Ho Chunk show today. Oh yeah, uh, my name uh, is Wakunjahade, which means distant thunder. Yes, and I'm Chashapayangewe uh, Nink, which means Little Eagle Princess. Oh, Little oh. Eagle Princess. Do you get an adult name, or are you always going to be Little Eagle? How does that go, Rosetta? Yeah, I don't know, Rosetta. Does she keep that forever? I keep that forever. Oh, oh. I kind of like my name. I do, too. Yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> we're, hard time. we're Eagle Clan, so I like the Chashap in there, too. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I don't know how I got Thunder in mine, uh, my name, because... Uh, I'm not in the Thunder Clan, but I like my yeah. name. Well, my brother Ryan. Oh, that's right. His name is similar to yours. I know it's uh, his is King of Thunder, Wakanja Hook, Wakanja. Yeah, so. and um, Dandy, who's in the book, is. Uh, do you know how to pronounce his name? I don't have it open right now, but it is a Thunder. thunder uh, huh. I'll look real quick, but uh, I, I was going. That was cool. Yeah, well, I know Great Grandma's name too. I just found this out is a uh, Blue Sky Woman. And I'm thinking... Um, roaring Thunder. Roaring Thunder. Ro- oh, Roaring Thunder. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I uh, Yeah, Blue Sky Woman. Uh, I'm trying to... Now and Walken uh, Jari is uh, Dandy's. And Dandy is a character in the Ho-Chunk history because of uh, all those times that uh, he was being removed from uh, Wisconsin. And then, and then uh, um, two weeks later, he was back. And you told that great story about him pretending to be sick. Yeah. And everyone was like, "Oh, he's sick!" And then he uh, bolted for the door out of the out of the fort mm. and ran past. <laughs> Such <him>. a rebel! <laughs> and the reason why he was named Dandy is because of the way he dressed really well. Oh, wore fanciful dress. They said lots of colors and <laughs> stuff. Yes, lots of colors. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, cool. What? Well, well, did we just exci- run out of things to say? No, well, I'm ex- no. <laughs> I'm just excited to hear from the book. I know we got a minute left until uh, we got to take a break here, but um, I'm excited to hear more about the book and crazy. I had some wild dreams last night after talking to you, Kathy, on the show yesterday. Oh. And uh, yeah, I think we need to get down to Mankato and do some bare feet walking. And well, not only that, we need to get our protest signs <laughs> out. <laughs> well. Oh, and, and, um, Kathy's not saying anything, but she's shaking her head yes. So yes. I'll just say yes. Kathy will be we there. We need with to us. get to Mankato, definitely. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, we're here at All My Relations Art Gallery here on Franklin Avenue. And come on down. We're going to have the reading real soon. Uh, there's going to be food delivered here at six o'clock or yeah. at 5 30. Yeah, from Power Out Grounds. Yeah, and I'm excited. I've been eating all day, so that'll fit right <laughs> into my criteria. But, uh, I'm glad to be here, glad Kathy's here, glad Rosetta's here, and always glad that Haley's here. As you guys witnessed, Haley put everything together, so we got to give her a big shout out. (laughs) Pina Gigi, thank you. Yes. All right, we'll be right back. This is Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Stay with us. The city of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis Air. 
AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman, one U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Portion of the show is supported by All My Relations Arts Gallery on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Hey, this ain't no party. This ain't no disco. This ain't no powwow. This is a book reading tonight, and one of the stars of the show has just uh, just uh, joined us here. And Amy, do you mind grabbing that mic like it's karaoke, and uh, we're going to be <laughs> singing with you? Because because uh, there sure. you go. Hey, there welcome. Go. So good Thank to you. see you. Thank I just arrived from Santa Cruz, California. Right wow, on. Welcome. Right on. And <laughs> Thank you. You know, Kathy, uh, the author here, was on uh, TPT. You saw that, and she, uh, I got some time. Yeah, I got some time to spend with her, and she's just had nothing but great things to say about you. And uh, I want to say a big peeny gigi because a lot of this correct stuff uh, that Kathy's doing is because of you and you're uh, vetting out the book and so that's really important and it's important for me so we can really uh, promote the book in a good way. It's a wonderful book. I was reading it closely again over the last couple of days and I just can't wait to talk about it. It's been a long time coming. I mean in terms of of, um, us exploring and thinking through Ho-Chunk history in Minnesota. And um, I've been thinking, you know, as I was driving over here, why has it taken us so long to have a book-length study like this? So we're incredibly indebted to Kathy for her brilliant scholarship. And there have been so many conversations, right, around the cities um, in the state of Minnesota. Oh, Ho-Chunk have a connection to Minnesota, too. But it was always left in a kind of general way. Mm -hmm. And Kathy here is helping us move forward with some really important specifics on our history in Minnesota. You know, and I really like uh, what you had to say, and I think at one of our area meetings, one of the things that really hit me that you said when, uh, when you joined us from uh, California was that uh, Kathy's a researcher. This is this is real research. This is not an opinion book. This is done on research, and that's what excites me, too, because I have my opinion as a Ho-Chunk, but I haven't done the research. Mm-hmm. It's really um, well researched, and yeah. I'm a historian. Mm-hmm. And um, I, what I was really struck by as I was reading it again closely, because I read it in manuscript. 
format before it was published, but to have the hard copy was really exciting. And I was just struck by its readability. I mean, I was seeing it as, you know, in classrooms, right, Mm -hmm. as part of um, book of the month club type of things. I mean, it's a highly readable book. So it's just got a wonderful balance, as I said, of rigorous historical research, Mm -hmm. but yet highly, highly engaging and readable. Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have the, uh, the I want to say ceremony, but we're going to have the book reading and uh, you speaking and maybe Bill uh, Quackenbush is going to be down here and uh, we can have him. Oh, I just saw Bill. Oh, that's mm-hmm. excellent. So we want to get Bill on and I'll be kind of the master ceremonies uh, of that because I, I just really, for me, I want to thank you, thank Bill, thank Kathy for, for this and the, for the opportunity to, uh, you know, work on this in Minnesota too, because I've always said people under 40 years old really don't re- realize and recognize ho chunks here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It just erasure is what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think. Oh, that- did you want to say something, Kat? Oh, <laughs> okay. We just made your mic hot. Go ahead. Thanks to Amy for her kind words, and thank you to all three of you, you and Bill and Amy, for helping me when it was in manuscript manuscript form and for being here today it means the world to me so oh well it means a lot to us yes it definitely means a lot to us and one of the things that i want to talk about too is some of the early um conversations and efforts to recognize ho-chunk history in minnesota the minnesota historical society back in 1993 worked on a minnesota communities exhibit and i've been going through my files over the last week and refreshing my memory you know and they selected they were looking at six communities from across minnesota it was part of a major exhibition at the minnesota historical society in 1990 uh 93 and they selected the Ho-Chunks, mm-hmm. not the Ojibwe or Dakota, but right. they um, selected the Ho-Chunks. And uh, Celeste Persini was the lead curator. And she said that, you know, they recognize that Ho-Chunks ha- in Minnesota have been overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they really wanted to talk about um, and present Ho-Chunk Nation history in the mid, um, you know, especially, of course, focusing on those years when we have the reservations in Minnesota in the mid 20th century, but also, of course, on Ho-Chunk resilience and survivance in the contemporary community today. So there were some really wonderful community leaders that worked on that who mm-hmm. um, have since uh, walked on, yeah. you know, Donald Blackhawk Sr., oh. Betty Green Crow. Wow. So Betty. I had an opportunity to work with them and that was really special. And the McKees and yeah. they yeah. were wonderful too, you know, <laughs> that's so that's yeah. our relatives, that's our family. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so it was just beautiful working with all of them and, and really beginning this process of reclaiming Ho-Chunk history in Minnesota. That's exciting. And, uh, Amy's a great guest. Amy, yeah, we gotta get you. <laughs> we, might have to, we might have to go another segment with Amy here. Um, but uh, one of the things too, and I don't know if it's yellow Volkswagen syndrome, but since uh, Kathy's been working on this, and then I've been kind of pushing some stuff legislative-wise in the background, uh, the University of Minnesota has added Ho Chunk to their uh, land acknowledgement. Land acknowledgement is another thing, but that's right. something big. Mm-hmm. But also the Minnesota Historical Society. So I don't know if it's been the work or if I'm just noticing it now or being aware of it, but or if it's a combination. Mm-hmm. That's why Kathy's book is so important, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really challenging that that history of Minnesota and the indigenous nations of Minnesota, kind of the master narrative of, of Minnesota history. So 
That's right. That is the entire purpose of this book is to start justice work for Ho-Chunk people and and recognition work for them in Minnesota. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in one of the key words that I heard uh, brought up, I think by you and then also in the book by Kathy is erasure. And and that's one of the things that I'll be driving home when I speak to uh, people about a recognition of Ho-Chunk in Minnesota is we don't want to be erased. And that's a colonized way. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, also, too, one of the things that really in the book for me really hit home and we mentioned a little bit with Kathy about this uh, earlier is that, uh, geez, Mankato uh, has some, you know, some some things that they should be... uh, Giving back, possibly. Right. I could just say that in code. Right. Land oh. back. <laughs> oh, Kathy wants to say something. They own millions and millions of public ac- public land of acres. So yeah. they, they definitely stole land from the Ho-Chunk people in 1863. So um, land back is relevant to Ho-Chunk people in Minnesota. Yeah. that's a, Well, we'll get a Chipotle down there and, and just... Uh, have Haley do the radio show down there. Yeah, we'll move our, stu- we'll move our studio down there. down there. Get our big antenna on there. Yeah. And if I could add something quickly about um, when I was reviewing Kathy- Kathy's book, one of the um, suggestions that I made, because we know that, you know, Ho-Chunk, we're indigenous to present-day Wisconsin. We originated um, near Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But the land, Blue Earth, I wanted the, I, I really wanted to see, and Kathy did this, but to really emphasize that, that this was originally Dakota land, right? And they had been forced to the treaty table and forced to see this land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, when I'm thinking through that deep history and the commemoration of the U.S. Dakota War of 1862, I have found that the Dakota community, certainly when I, com- I participated in the Dakota Commemorative March in um, 2004 and 2006, they were incredibly interested in Ho-Chunk Nation mm-hmm. history. Oh. They would introduce me to other people in the in the room and say, this is, you know, Amy Lontree, she's Ho-Chunk and her people were removed too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I felt this incredible groundswell of support and interest that they were hungry to hear yeah. our story as yeah. well. And Absolutely. removed so close to them, you know, as neighbors mm-hmm. and almost on the same land, it's and our mm-hmm. language is, you know, similar in that way, too, to the Dakotas. Yeah, it's Siouan, but I think it's more Ho-Chunk, and they got the language from us. Is that is that right? No, I'm just kidding. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, one of the translations of our name is people of the parent speech, mm-hmm. and that's the um, recognition that we were per, or, uh, a nod to, um, that we were the original Siouan speakers. Yeah. yeah. Now, some well, people uh, have made that claim. Yes. Oh. Well, I wonder... Should we call it a, a show because we were going to go halfway the show? Or if you have a few, I know there's a lot of people coming in here that you want to see too. So maybe we can uh, end the show at the at the normal time that we we're going to. We were going to only do half a show here and tell everyone to come out here. But it's really exciting to have you on, Amy. And uh, it's going to be an exciting night. And uh, yeah. the place is getting full. Mm-hmm. So, I could relay one more story absolutely. really quickly, Robert about Ho-Chunk presence in Minnesota. We can talk about an erasure, but there have been moments as I was thinking this through over the last several weeks where people I remembered acknowledged our deep connection. And case in point is the uh, at the University of Minnesota and the um, development of the American Indian Studies Department. I heard from a Dakota elder um, that they actually approached the Ho-Chunk Nation and oh. asked them 
to teach, if, if it would be all right, or if they would mm -hmm. like to offer Ho-Chunk language courses to undergraduates at the University of Minnesota. And as wow. we know, Dakota and Ojibwe are taught at mm -hmm. the University of Minnesota and have historically been taught there. But I think that that's a really interesting story. We made a decision, you know, elders made a decision not to do that for mm -hmm. a host of reasons. But I think it's really important because that speaks to the acknowledgement of the Ho-Chunk having a deep and longstanding connection to Minnesota and other nations recognize that at various moments in time. Amy, it's right. so good to have you. I'm so happy that you made it here. Um, it's going to be a great night. The place is packed. A lot of a lot of relatives and a lot of people you know are here. And uh, uh, it's going to be exciting, Kathy, huh? Oh, wait, unmute me, Kathy. Go ahead. It's, it's great to have Amy. She's a great speaker. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're here to honor and recognize and celebrate that book. And I just can't wait. For people to hear what you've um that history that you've uncovered and and you've written about so powerfully yeah well hey uh we're gonna up next we're gonna hear john green deer a uh, best of and uh come on down there's still plenty of time the show starts at six uh we're gonna be eating here soon uh but there's plenty of time you're listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake and we're at all my relations here in minneapolis on 1414 Oh my goodness, uh, Audrey Thayer. <laughs> I just got to say, oh, uh, and we'll be back uh, and we'll talk tomorrow. I just yeah. ADD'd out on Audrey Thayer, right? Yes, uh, we'll be up with John Greendew here and then we have a new uh, animal segment from Wendy Pilot. Yes. And then tomorrow we'll be on with Little Moments Count and Bob Lake, Bob Lake from Red Lake. We love saying Bob Lake from Red Lake. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow and listen up. Uh, John's got some great info. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever ever securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. When we heal from our traumas, when we face our fears, let go of our addictions, when we relearn our values, when we live our teachings, respecting our elders, cherishing and honoring our children, when we honor and take care of our spirit, there will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. 
the latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. Signing up for $1 bus and train rides with the Transit Assistance Program, or TAP, is quick and easy. Do it straight from your computer or phone by uploading one of the pre-approved documents listed at metrotransit.org slash TAP, along with a copy of your ID. We'll mail you a go-to card with a full year of discounted rides. For questions or translation help, call 612-373-3333. 612-373-3333. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents, I'm Awake. Producer Haley with you now. I just want to say a big thank you, Pinagigi Miigwechwopilatanka, to everyone who is tuning in to today's special broadcast regarding the published recognition of us Ho-Chunk people in the state of Minnesota. And a big thank you again to our sponsor, NACDI, Native American Community Development Institute, and All My Relations Arts, as well as the Minnesota Historical Society, and Kathy Coates for sharing our history and opening up a space for our story here today. But there is still time to come over to All My Relations Art Gallery here at 1414 East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. We'll be here until 7. Right now, though, in this segment, we want to stick with um, a Ho-Chunk citizen, uh, someone who is very important to Ho-Chunk Nation. His name is John Green Deer, and this is actually an encore segment, and John talks a bit about our Ho-Chunk history as well. So here it is. My name is John Greendeer. I am once again excited to send each of you a warm greeting. Also excited to be on the radio. This is kind of cool. Um, so a lot of people don't know this. I'm actually a licensed ham radio operator. Yep. Let that sink in. KD9ETK is my call. But it has nothing to do with me being on the radio. So it's actually quite useless information. So I... <laughs> thought it was kind of cool, but it'll get more relevant from here, I promise. Um, uh, today we get to talk about something a little bit more in my wheelhouse. Uh, I am the Executive Director of Heritage Preservation for the Ho-Chunk Nation, which um, is a pretty expansive title, but if you look at what it covers, that's even more broad. I always ask folks, you know, what do you think of when you when you hear heritage preservation? And, you know, some folks, the response is, you know, um, powwows, drums, songs, music, Feathers, regalia, you know, dances. Um, others, you know, might be more on the naturalist side of the spectrum and say, well, all the things that predate, you know, pre-colonial contact, you know, and our our rivers, our our land, our mountains, our our you know, forests, vegetation, animals, all these things that you know, those are the things we need to preserve. You know, others, you know, look at it from a more scholarly point of view in terms of the historical context or political, you know, and 
Um, it's, it's about sovereignty. It's about your legal disposition as, as a nation. It's what you can do to self-govern. Uh, so, you know, so what is it? It's all of those and, and more. And even nowadays, uh, preservation really is synonymous with everything that falls under, quote, culture. So we have a lot of things that, um, uh, that we do oversee. Now, as a preservationist, those are very distinct. Culture being something that you can't really kill or anything like that. It's, it's a part of your daily life. Uh, how you brush your teeth, when you go to school, who gets the TV first. All that, all that stuff is a part of your culture. Your home has one. Your work has one. Your school, your church. Um, but more importantly, you know, um, we look at preserving our heritage. And these are things that probably weren't intended to change, like, you know, your songs, your stories, you know, your your fundamental beliefs, principles, family, clan colors, those types of things. And so those are um, kind of more in the area. And while it does seem like they, they do overlap because they do, uh, we do try to be more um, distinctive to focus on some of those elements that might be in danger of being lost. So um, when I started as the executive director uh, for heritage preservation, I thought like I was going to be like zapped down, you know, with a bag over my head and I'm going to go down seven flights into this, you know, dark eerie area where we had this big giant massive storage unit of all of our songs and stories and everything that defined us historically. And, um, you know, it, it was not a scene out of the X-Files by any means. It, it, we, we don't have all that stuff. Uh, yes, there are recordings. Yes, there are photographs. Yes, there are. But there certainly isn't a place where you can just walk into it and, you know, plug in your USB and just fill your whole world up with uh, history and, and, and knowledge. We are remnants of uh, an oral tradition of, of, of vastly, um, you know, substantive oral tradition of songs and stories and things that identify you as a family. And, you know, I'd mentioned before in a previous show that, you know, a lot of these things were severed, not, you know, just simply by boarding schools, but, you know, a lot of, you know, forces in in Westernization that have really changed our daily culture. You know, today we, we can't say we are you know, um, living the life of those of us and our, our people in the past, you know, we're too, we're too busy working two jobs just to be broke and, and, you know, getting our kids off to school so we can be conveniently late for work and probably unwrapping more meals than we should be, you know, so there are, <laughs> there's just, you know, um, certain things that lifestyles that we have now that, you know, probably don't synchronize with, you know, the people that we came from who, really built their life or their way of life, which Ho-Chunks will call Woshka, around simplicity, you know, food, water, shelter, things that we kind of take for granted nowadays. But if we were ever uh, forced to uh, go back to that, uh, there's probably a good chance we'd have a, a bit of a struggle. Yes, we could eat deer if you can get one or catch fish if you can catch one or make nets or make hooks. You know, we didn't we didn't have necessarily the 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 um obligation to learn survival skills you know that's what they would be for us today but to them it was just simply living so <laughs> i don't know how long it would take us to learn today but you know back then that that way of life wasn't something you learned in a weekday or you know, years, um, or even a lifetime. It took, it took many lifetimes. You know, we go back, you know, thousands and thousands of years 
And, you know, our oral tradition has us, you know, placed back into the red banks of the Green Bay. But, you know, we don't really know when that that was. You know, we can certainly, you know, use science to determine, you know, when, you know, the human existence took place into this area. But we can't really verify, um, you know, lean too heavily on archaeology or belief system. We just have to accept the fact that we, we don't know. And if we were meant to know, we would. Um, but I can say that, you know, when we start going back to, um, you know, our history and, you know, I I hate to surprise everyone, but history doesn't start when a a white guy sets foot on a a piece of earth. You know, a lot of times we do that when we say, we're going to talk about history. Well, it's going to be George Washington or Ben Franklin or Christopher Columbus. And, you know, no, (laughs) history starts, you know, way before that, you know, before we can even think of. And so, um, you know, we, we discipline ourselves to make sure that, you know, we don't think in that Western manner. Uh, this is how and who we are. So to give you a, a scale uh, of that, you know, one of the exercises that, you know, we'll, we'll provide in, in making sure people understand the heritage of, of and where we are, uh, we, we pull this 50-foot rope out uh, and have the, the children kind of hold that as far out as they can. And that rope, in this context, only represents 14,000 years, um, you know, where, where we're dated back to at least, you know, on the science end of things. But we introduce, you know, things like, uh, you know, the, the the projectile points and some of the stone tools all the way. You know, these are the historic areas where they, you know, prehistoric areas where they didn't have, you know, uh, recording devices or, or written languages, uh, those types of things. And people will actually get a chance to see the scale of this because, you know, every foot of that rope represents about approximately 280 years, which means that, you know, uh, if you went two feet, you've already passed the um, arrival of Columbus to the Americas, you know, and so you have to think back from those 48 feet. Oh my God, there, there was a lot of time between then and now. Uh, we are not the first, um, uh, we're not fresh off the boat here. We, we've been here for such a long time. And the reason why we have um, made it to this day is because of those elements of our heritage. So uh, making sure that uh, those things are passed down to uh, our folks is is probably our biggest mission to make sure that there's a connection there, and there is, and that's that's the amazing thing about it is you know these things that that you know we credit our ancestors do we have we have those things we never lost them uh, we may not have to engage those but there are certain things that you know we do in heritage preservation and cultural resources and language that that really show that that connection is there and it's as strong as it's ever been before so whenever we learn how to say our name and our language and use it whenever we learn how to uh, craft an item uh, that has some utility and we see people using it it's there so um you know, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't take long for people to realize I get really amped up on, on things like this. But, you know, this, this connection that we have, you know, we, they can't, they can't take that away from us. That's who we are. We, we, we are these people that, you know, that, that they try to separate um, us from. So, uh, you know, heritage preservation is really about making sure that we have a strong connection and a strong identity with who we are, because that really is what determines our success in, in the modern Western world. And it's what determined our success in the prehistoric times as well. 
So um, heritage preservation does include a lot. And, you know, I'm always discouraged because, you know, I don't know the things that people come to ask me or, you know, the people I work with, they say the same thing. We don't know everything. Um, We'd like to be able to help. But, you know, one of the things that they talk about, you know, in in our way of life, and I and I hope I don't butcher this too much, but you know, when they say that whole chunk of the woshka ke ineki ya oncha ki karachegi he ain't you know, we're not doing this alone. That's you know, we don't have this all by ourselves. It's it's with our group, our family, our clan, that we can all do this. And you know, this is knowledge that you know. I think is really important that no one person uh, knows all of this, but we all know a little bit. And when we come together, that's how we come to know everything. You know, we can't do it all ourselves, but if everyone does a little bit, then it can get done. And so, you know, these are things I really, you know, lean on heavily and making sure that the that the circle, the the group is is wider and there's more people in there rather than just a small number of people that are, you know, carrying that burden um, and trying to carry this on because that's never going to work. So um, so it really is about being together. It's really about working together, um, sharing together. And, you know, the, the best way to do it is to look at our brothers and sisters as, you know, what they are. They're our family. And so together, that's what defines who we are. And that's going to define what the success of heritage preservation is. So again, I want to thank everyone for allowing me to share just, you know, a 10,000 foot view of what heritage preservation is and let you know that um, no matter what we're asked, um, we may not have an answer, but the minute, you know, we're done talking, we're thinking of how to find the answer for each of you. So again, thank you. We got to take a quick break, but stay with us. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. Thanks to everyone who's continued to support AM950. Good news, the AM950 2024 calendar is ready to go, featuring photos that took around Minnesota and important progressive dates. Members that sign up with a one-time $25 membership will receive a 2024 AM950 calendar as a thank you. Make a one-time $50 or $100 donation, you'll get the AM950 calendar and the brand new AM950 tote bag as a thank you. Go to am950radio.com for all the details on the membership. That's am950radio.com. Thank you so much for supporting AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Become a teacher and ignite change. Join the St. Paul Urban Residency Program to become a teacher in just 15 months. You can earn your master's degree and teaching license from the University of St. Thomas while earning a $30,000 stipend, single health care, and dental benefits. As an added bonus, next year's cohort, all residents will receive $20,000 towards their tuition. Apply now. Applications due February 28, 2024. Visit spps.org/sutr. As we age, it's important to invest in our health and to help protect it. Like the flu, COVID-19 is always changing. That's why it's important to stay up to date on your vaccines. By getting the flu and COVID-19 vaccines, you can renew your body's defenses and lower the risk of getting sick. Get your health boost and protect yourself against the flu and COVID-19. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. That's vaccines.gov. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. 
Minneapolis Air dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune into Minneapolis Air on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? That was my lone howl today. Um, anyways, I want to quickly introduce Wendy Pilot. Wendy is a humane policy advocate leader for the Humane Society of the United States. And she is updating us all the way from New York today. So thank you so much, Wendy. Uh, please take it away. Thank you, Haley. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. You know, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, and I want to do a little free advertisement for an item that I bought that I think is just awesome for your pet. Uh, So Robert and I decided that we were going to drive to New York. I think it's around 1,900 miles. So we were going to drive for um, a long time. I think the whole trip took us about 20 hours. Um, but we were traveling with our little dog, Wanda, and everybody has heard about Wanda. She is a little black Shih Tzu. Uh, she's a rescue. We rescued her about uh, seven years ago, and she's our heart. Like We both love this little dog so much. And the thought of bringing her on the road with us was so exciting, but also really worrisome because... We were going to stop at a lot of places, uh, rest stops. Uh, we were going to stay in a hotel overnight one night. We were going to walk her on streets and places that she's not familiar with. And the thought of me and Robert losing her was just something I could not even imagine. Many years ago, Robert and I uh, lost our dog, Mickey. Uh, Robert and I were out of town and we had a pet sitter staying at our house and Mickey got out and I think there was a storm. I don't, we don't know the whole story. We never really found out the truth, Uh, but somehow Mickey got out and he was gone. Uh, That was really, I'd have to say, maybe the top one of the top three most horrible times in my life was was losing Mickey and not knowing where he was um and back then we didn't really have the tools that we do today um so Robert got on his computer right away made up little posters and and um pictures of Mickey and Robert and I went around our neighborhood and put these uh, posters out on every lamppost that we could find in the neighborhood. And sure enough, uh, I think it was, I don't know how many hours later, 30 hours, I'm just going to guess from my memory, uh, we got a call from a little boy who said, I think I have your dog in our backyard. And you know, we went and we got Mickey. Now today, there's so many more options, right? There's uh, microchips, there's um, 
tracking devices, uh, just having a collar with your dog's name on it is really important. And I'm telling you, we have all three. So uh, Wanda is microchipped. Uh, so anybody out there who's moved, changed their um, phone number, just update that information because that information is really uh, important to be updated at all times. Um, and I think having your dog microchipped is a great tool, but it's not the only tool out there. And I think it needs to really be combined with other uh, things. Uh, your dog would have to be found, would have to be picked up and have to be brought to the vet to be scanned to find that information. And while it's really good, uh, other items as well works great. So Wanda also has a little tag around her neck, uh, shaped as a bone, has her name on it, and Robert and I, um, our phone numbers. So that's great. Uh, but these tags, they fall off if your dog is running through bushes, running through a fence, it could get snagged and, and taken off the collar. Uh, so what I purchased before we left from uh, leaving St. Paul, Minnesota to coming from Long Island, New York, was a roam tag. Roam, R-O-A-M tag. Uh, it is an Apple product, and this is a tracking device, uh, and you put it on your, uh, on your phone, and you can track the animal on your phone. So uh, the one we got um, attaches to her collar. So the collar kind of goes in and out and it's on the collar. Uh, and then I have all the information in my phone and no matter where I am, I can go on my phone and, and just go to the app, find my, so, you know, find your whatever. And we have Wanda set up with all of our information and uh, somebody could just, it's a QR code. That's exactly what it is, a barcode. So whoever has a phone can just click on, uh, scan the code and it will give you her name, our phone numbers, where you could contact us. So I think that's a really good tool to have. And then I could, I could go on and see where she is, like, oh, okay, and, and find the address where she is. I could find her exact location, and it will show me as she's walking um, uh, wherever she's going. So I think this is a really good tool. So between these three things that she has, the Rome tag, which is great, it's, it's like less than $50. Um, you just upload it on your phone. It's simple. It's really easy to use. And you could see where your animal is anytime. And uh, then we have the little, uh, you know, name tag. Name tag, microchipped, and this. Three things <laughs> that she has on her because we did not want to lose her. Um, so Wanda is safe and sound. She made it through <laughs> the trip without getting lost, which we're really happy about. Um, she really was good on the trip, too. She's a really good traveler. She stayed in the crate in the back. Um, I have it set up so it's high enough so she gets to look outside. Uh, I, have it, I have it all bungee corded up so it's really stable and secure. So if, if God forbid, we got into an accident, um, the crate would is, you know, sturdy. It's not going to fly around the car. Um, so she's safe in there, lots of blankets and stuff in there. So, uh, I think she is acclimating to New York. Um, 
she is barking a lot at people who come in, in and out of uh, the condo building because she's used to having, uh, you know, living in a house, so it's nice and quiet. Um, and the good thing is uh, when we're home in Minnesota, in St. Paul, we have a nice uh, little backyard. It's a small yard, but it's great for her. And it's all fenced in, and we could just let her out right? If it's snowing, raining, whatever, we just let her out. She goes potty, comes right back in the house, especially in these cold temperatures. But now in New York, we don't have a little uh, backyard that's fenced in. So rain, sleet, snow, darkness, whatever, we have to get that leash on her and go for a walk. The good thing is, hey, it gets me out of the house, right? It gets me walking, and uh, there's been some cold, rainy days here where I would have just stayed in the condo and not have gone out at all, uh, but this gets me to go out. So with that, keep your pet, pet safe out there and um, take it easy. Back to you, Robert and Haley. Hey, Wendy, thanks again, and stay warm out there in New York. Uh, if you have been listening to Native Roots Radio, you are part of our resistance. We'll be back tomorrow with Little Moments Count and Bob Blake from Red Lake. Let's walk well, take care of the earth, and free Leonard Peltier. Now. <laughs>